Welcome back to the podcast, the podcast, as they say in Chicago. Uh, I just figured out what a Chicago accent was the other day, Jordan. We're here with Jordan Feigenbaum. Chicago, they have an odd way of pronouncing that. I mean, you're from up that way, Nick. St. Louis is close to Chicago. There's no accent in St. Louis. There's no accent. It's like Indiana. It's the most neutral yeah. Accentless, so most broadcasters hail from St. Louis, right? KSDK. Bob Costas is from St. Louis. KSDK, FM 95. <laughs> KSDK, STK, right? KSDK. KSDK, FM 95, St. Louis. What's funny about that? You need a laugh track is what you need. Just yeah. like a like a button you push. You, it, it can have a series of things. That's not heavy. <laughs> the audience cackles like on 60s sitcoms, you know. Like I Love Lucy. Remember the little laugh yes. track they used to have on that? That's what you need. All right. So I guess what we got to do now is we got to talk about, uh, you got to talk about uh, the issue of nutrition for training. So mm-hmm. let me ask you a question. Do you have any clients that you deal with in, uh, in, in counseling nutrition who do not train? Do you have any just diet only clients where you don't deal with any aspect of exercise with them? No, there was, there was would, one, no, would so you there take was one, one female. On or not? What's that? A weight loss client only. I mean, I have people who I'm not personally handling their training, um, and but they are training. There was one a female originally who was not training at all. Um, she and we eventually now she's she sees Andy Baker. She's under a bar. She's squatting. Like we're mm-hmm. we're gonna get you training. Um, Leah, when I first started working with her, she was not. I mean, she had just come off that slap tear. And so right. we had her squatting with the safety squat bar and doing weird things with dumbbells to try to get her able to bench a bar. I still remember the right. first day she benched the bar. But no, everybody else does some sort of training. Right. Um, not training and trying to lose weight. A fool's errand. Yeah, the right. scientists will say, well, there's no evidence to suggest that exercise causes weight loss. And I'd be like, okay, well, that's true. The data does say that. However, in that, the, defense, the data says that weight loss, trying to lose weight, is a fool's errand. Right. Anyway. anyway. <laughs> so well, the data is sometimes uh, interpreted to mean the peer reviewed published data. And uh, in a lot of instances, it's a very low quality. So, you know, common sense should always prevail over the, uh, over the published data. Sorry. All you kids with bachelor's degrees, that's uh, just the case. And uh, as a result, uh, practitioners a lot of times know way more about this than the people who publish the data. Uh, in your experience, Jordan, what, uh, what's the most effective way to go from 30% body fat to 20% body fat? Uh, Write training. this down. <laughs> yeah, take out your pen and pencil. Um, you need to train with barbells, resistance training, if uh, and you need to be in a calorie restricted state. Uh, I know that sounds 
vague and nebulous, but that's kind of the nature of the game. We're talking about individuals and how they respond. Um, you take an untrained individual who's never touched a barbell, put them on a linear progression plan, they can effectively reduce their waist circumference and lose body fat while getting stronger. Um, are they going to be putting on muscle while this is occurring? Not, not, not too much. Initially, they're, if they come from a completely untrained state, there'll be some increase in muscle size, but not a lot. You just think about the net sum of metabolic activities going on. It's just catabolic, right? I mean, you're, you're losing weight. Um, so the training gives you a stimulus for better handling of glucose, increased metabolic rate, increased partitioning of nutrients into muscle for recovery versus fat store for energy storage. Um, and then the calorie-restricted state allows that to work because you're not just refilling what you've, what you've expended. Um, you know, training and then overfeeding is going to produce increased body weight and, yes, increased muscle mass, but also a little bit of increased fat mass too. So how do you go from 30% to 20% body fat and not look like a, just a skinnier version of your former fat self? You know, And fat is not a bad word, it's just a descriptor that we're all familiar with. Mm -hmm. um, is you need to train to preserve muscle mass and increase the function because so, you're so you'll be stronger and you need to be in a calorie restricted state. Whether Whatever diet allows you to be compliant is gonna be the most successful, but I find that those who are training do much, much better on a mo uh, you know moderate protein, moderate carbohydrate, you know lower fat diet. I don't find that the low carb diet works particularly well for those who actually want to train and gain strength. If you're if you want to lose a bunch of weight quickly and you have a palate for high fat diet and you're not really trying to get stronger, hey, go low carb. That that's fine. That may work better for you. But the in my experience, that's been a a recipe for disaster. And, and and I think you know you've you've played around with low carb diets before as well. Yeah, you kind of know how you kind of know how this goes. What happens is people go, oh, well, there's no no carbs. I can just I can have a lot of this, and that turns into a a big cut of meat, which is fine unless it's got 40 grams of fat in it, and that kind of puts you over your calorie what you where you need to be at for the day, mm -hmm. or a six egg omelet in the morning with all the yolks. And I'm not talking about from a cholesterol standpoint, or even that a dietary fat is bad standpoint. It's just a it's a numbers game at some level. Calories. Yeah. If people will say, well, you can't get fat on a 5,000 calorie a day, low carb diet. And I'm like, uh, try it and see. <laughs> yeah. The, the advantage of a low carb diet, and I, I, I don't even like to talk about this stuff because it's not in my field of either interest or expertise. That's what he's for. That's why he's here. That's why he has a forum on the board. That's why I put all the questions down there that have to do, that come to me about about nutrition, because I'm not the expert, and that's why we're talking to him, but my experience with a low-carb diet, the primary, and I think this may be important, we'll see what he says, my, my primary experience with a low-carb diet indicates to me that when you quit eating a lot of carbs, your appetite goes away. You're not hungry all the time. And one of the problems with a restricted calorie diet is that you're hungry. Yeah. And I don't like being hungry, I like to eat, so if I'm going on a restricted calorie diet, I'd rather do it low carb because I, for some reason, it just kills your appetite. Sure. And, and well, maybe you've got some, some insight into the usefulness or the, the, uh, the, the detrimental effects of approaching it that way. But 
No, I mean, that's, I, so that I, was my experience with it. Is yeah, I, and I do think it's very individual. I uh, I have certainly noted that effect in myself in general. <laughs> if I go on a lower carbohydrate diet, I seem to be satiated a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Although I am eating a lot of protein, and protein is very satiating. In addition, most of your carbohydrates on a low carb diet come from fibrous carbohydrates, which so fiber, protein water content of a meal are the things that are high, you know, most highly correlated with satiety. So you think about what does a low carb diet look like? Well, it looks like a whole bunch of protein, a considerable amount of fiber, and then fat, right? Right. As far as things from that From a recipe standpoint, that means like, uh, a bunch of steak, some yeah. cabbage. Right. And, uh, <laughs> Plus or minus some nuts or, you know, avocado yeah. or eggs and, and bacon right. and whatnot. Um, but then you look at, you know, what are people's typical higher carbohydrate diet look like? And it's got a lot of sugar in it. It's got mm-hmm. salt, you know, a lot of salt in it and a lot of sugar, salt, fat mixed together. And that's very uh, appetite stimulating. That, in fact, if you looked at what are the things that stimulate appetite the most, it's something with salt, fat, and sugar in it. That, Salty that's the birthday cake icing. <laughs> exactly. It just uh, stimulates the appetite. <laughs> and, Big and bowl in general, of salt, sugar, and... Crisco, just yeah, a paste. <laughs> yeah, it's like a it's like an appetite stimulant. You know, basically, yeah. it stimulates the thing. Um, and those diets tend to be lower in protein too. So, on balance, I think what most people find that their satiety would be equivalent if they kept the protein the same, the fiber the same, and just altered carbs or fat. But that's just not the way it works in practice. So, for instance, for you to go low carb, you're not breaking out your scale, you're not breaking out your measuring cups, you're just looking at something and saying, all right, I'm just not going to have my oatmeal, I'm just going to have the eggs and bacon and some cheese. Uh And then at lunch, you're like, I'm going to have a salad, it's going to be chicken or steak and, you know, uh, a salad, whatever the rest of it is, and some dressing. And that, that's it. You're just not going to have the bread or the rice or whatever. Right. And so for, in practice, you're able to identify dietary choices that produce a calorie-restricted state. And I think that works you know, pretty well for, for some people uh, until they start picking up stupid things like the paleo recipe book for cupcakes and other things that are Ways right. to fool yourself into thinking that you're still eating the way you want to. Yes, exactly. It's like, right, you're having this cupcake that's got 30 grams of fat. And I'm not saying that 30 grams of fat in and of itself is a problem except for the numbers are wrong. And so it doesn't matter anymore that it's low carb. It's just your calories are too high. But what you're reporting, what I'm reporting is that spontaneously going to a low carb diet puts us at a calorie deficit. And that seems to work just based on our palate. Right, just volitionally it puts you in a calorie deficit because, hell, you forget to eat. The time I did this, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I lost about 10 pounds, most of it Mm -hmm. right off my belly. Mm -hmm. And I would find that uh, I had gone seven or eight hours without eating anything because it just wasn't wasn't on my mind anymore. The problem with that is I could not train. I was That's sore the all the time, yeah. and I think That's, that that was a, a, a function of the fact that I was so calorie restricted, I just, was, just didn't have the, the anabolic substrate to get recovered. And, yeah, uh, so I'll definitely use that behavioral modification, just if I can get somebody who, to understand how they're viewing their meal choices, like you and I just discussed, that's a way to get somebody in a calorie restricted state without having them count stuff. 
But if you're going to have somebody weigh, measure, count stuff, which I feel like that level of um, sort of buy-in is necessary for two conditions. Condition one, if someone still wants to train productively (laughs) or uh, if somebody has failed the previous method. Mm -hmm. They're just overeating and so you have to control the quantity. Uh, So doing that, I think it would be hard for me to say that low carb is better than higher carb, lower fat. Because at that that point, all you're doing – uh, uh, it's just changing the substrate, and I don't. There's no evidence suggests that lower carb, high fat is better than higher carb, low fat. The calories are the same, and the proteins the same. In fact, the evidence actually, and again, with all the limitations of the evidence, you take this with a grain of salt. But the actual evidence suggests that people on a higher carb diet tend to retain more muscle mass uh, at the end of a, a, a weight loss uh, a period of time than those with uh, on a lower carb diet. And and finally, the, with the satiety, you would say, okay, if proteins, uh, fiber content, and water content are the three most satiating things of a food, then you could technically have more carbohydrates as long as your fiber content is high and so is your protein content. So at any rate, I've seen good results from both. Um, and my, my general feeling if someone wants to train or has previously failed the just look at your plate and not and, and, and restrict your calories – if they if they failed that sort of approach, then you need to count. So, you know, if if right. if for instance you said, hey, um, I've been trying Jordan for three months to lose lose some weight. Not that you would ever say this because because I don't care. Well, and you're also That's a confident just, you're you're a confident male who you know is not being constrained by societal norms, and you understand that being being strong is better than being skinny. Yeah. You're, you know, you know, and I've got what am I weighing? About two twenty-eight, somewhere in there, two thirty, two twenty-five, somewhere in there. I've got a little belly. Uh, if I want to drop the belly, I know what to do. Uh, yeah. But I, I'm sixty years old. It's just not. A, I'm under a different set of societal pressures than guys your age are, and I uh, I'm being paid for what I know, not how I look. And uh, this is, you know, I'm just. Uh, just are, are not that worried about it. But are you implying that I'm being paid for how I look? I'm Richard? implying that you know damn good and well you're being paid for, <laughs> for how you look. And that's a, that's a, that's quite a bit of it. And uh, you know, most people and, and quite frankly, most people in our line of work are at some level expected to look the part in a certain way. And it's it's easier to get people to pay attention to you if you uh if you look more like uh, the, the general public's perception of what a fit person is supposed to look like. Uh, well, I get away social... with it because I'm 60. But, uh, yeah. And because I write you know, fairly lucid things about this, and so I've kind of skipped over that, that part of the requirement. But by the same token, there's a lot of 60-year-old guys that are a lot sloppier looking than I am. Slappier looking than I am for you, those people in Chicago. And, uh, uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm not just a complete eyesore. I've got a little belly on me. Although when, you know, to look on the Facebook comments, those are always fun. Yeah. It's you know, like, if, if you, if you, if you had abs, you'd be oh the strength coach, God. right? Yeah. Yeah. Abs make the strength coach. Certainly. I had a girl, I had a girl ask me, uh, two days ago why I still had chest hair. Cause I was in the, in, cause I mean, you know, I'm in this, the fitness industry. Why? Why do you have chest hair? You should be, you know, you show off your 
yourself. And I, and I actually had to re- respond to her. I said, hey, look, I've been there. Right? Do you understand the amount of heckling that Ripito yeah. <laughs> imparted upon right. me? Sure. I can, and I can, and I can, rightly so. Yeah, it's you true. Know? Also, rightly I'd like so. to point out that chest hair when in the ocean, which is so near, when I get out of the water, it's actually like, CGI definition. It's like I lose three percent body fat coming out of the water <laughs> because of the well, that's the first shadows. time I've ever heard that. That's it's a, like a, that's a, what I wonder what I'd look like getting out of the water. <laughs> it would like either a, be I'd look be like a tribble ready. getting out of the water is what I'd look you'd, like. You'd either be stage ready <laughs> or you'd be Harambe. I'm unsure. <laughs> You might be Harambe. Yes, yeah. I would be confused for. I'd get shot. <laughs> Somebody'd shoot me. Harambe's back. <laughs> All right. So I did actually want to now in this clip, and I know we're, uh, the time situation. Right, so look on the board now. Four yeah. or five people have asked, "Hey, Feigenbaum, are you saying that people cannot gain muscular body weight and lose body fat at the same time? What if a guy?" has a 41-inch waist to begin with, goes down to a 37-inch waist, and his weight stays the same in two months. I'm like, what, he's like, what's happening there? And I will allow for a person who is very overweight and very undertrained to have both processes occurring at the same yeah. time. Oh, I've seen it. I've seen right. it. Right. Uh, that being said, that is not the typical experience unless somebody is very overweight and very undertrained. Right. And it doesn't last for very long to the extent that it's just a non-issue. If I if, if you said to me, Jordan, I want to lose fat and gain muscle at the same time, I said, Rip, no, it's not going to happen for you. Right? Because you've already been expo- you've already I've, been, I've exposed. been doing this for 40 years. It's going to be real difficult for me to do that. So. Yeah, but if you're a stone cold novice and you're very yeah. overweight, and sure, it'll occur. Yeah. Okay. Nobody get your under, you know, your panties and twist. But these are the same people who've been doing starting strength for six months. Doing starting doing strength. Doing starting strength for six months. Exactly. Exactly. It's like it's like, no, you've you've not been doing the program correctly. You're still ten percent body fat too much. <laughs> like it, so this is not you don't need to drink the gallon of milk a day. Okay. Right. This is not it's not bulking season anymore. Right. And, and but we've and we've gone over this so many times, but this is another example of what we talked about a couple of weeks ago. You people are just not listening to what we're telling you. You're not reading what's already been written on the subject. Not everybody drinks a gallon of milk a day. Correct. And although it may be fun for you jack-offs on Facebook comments to say that, ah, Ripto wants everybody to drink a gallon of milk a day. Uh, if you want to say that, go ahead and enjoy yourself. But that's just, you know, I, I know it's easier to refute your version of my argument than it is for you to refute my version of my argument. But, uh, you know, and just look, go ahead and type. Go ahead, just have fun. (laughs) But no, not everybody. But we, we, you know, you got guys, I mean, we're operating a gym here. People come in off the street. They're overweight. They're grossly overweight. They may be 45% body fat. If a guy like Mm -hmm. that comes in here, and he cleans up his diet, he pays close attention to what he's eating, he stops drinking Cokes, which is probably the single biggest problem in American society, is four or five Cokes a day, a pound yeah. of sugar ingested a day in the form of bubbly soft drinks. If you quit doing that, yeah, you can get stronger. Your shoulders, 
your arms, your legs, your butt, all of that increases in muscle mass, and your waistline goes down all at the same time because you are coming in in an extremely nutritionally dysfunctional situation. We clean that up a little bit. The results can be very dramatic, but you take a guy that's been doing this for five years, you know, the kind of people that Jordan deals with. You, you, you take a guy that's got some experience in this. This is, a, this is going to be a problem to solve. A guy that's been training for a long time at 30% body fat is, that's, uh, that's not as easy as fixing a fat novice. No. And, and yeah, so just a handful of things and then like a like bottom line that we'll, we, we can move on. The person that you're talking about, guy, 45% body fat comes in. I 100% agree with you. Arms, shoulders, all that stuff's probably going to get bigger just a, 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 as far as muscle mass, um, it's because those muscles are relatively untrained, even in day-to-day -day life. They don't, you don't walk around on your hands or that. But I actually think that their leg muscle mass may actually not increase only because there's so much loading. He's doing a lot of leg work getting up off the pot. Exactly. Right. But so yes, but yes, their waist can go down. They will gain, and, and there's a difference between gaining strength and muscle mass. Now, Yes, we've had this nuanced conversation on the board before, like, oh, is a novice actually gaining muscle mass? And the answer is yes, but if they're gaining muscular body weight. If they're gaining body weight and you're, you're getting stronger, some of the process is the, the muscle's actually getting uh, bigger. Uh, um, but for the person who's losing body fat, their muscle is already very long. The cross-sectional area of their muscle is large, all right? It's just unadapted un to a producing force. So I would actually make the argument that a very overweight person who's losing weight on starting strength, most of their adaptations are a result uh, of in just a ne pure neurological sort of really? adaptation. Not that they're not having any structural changes. That's not what exact, it's not what I'm saying. I just don't think their muscles get any bigger when they're losing weight. If they're not losing weight, then the, the, point, the point is moot. Do you see, do you see what I'm saying? Well, I'm, I'm wondering if you're considering the process of sub-Q or interstitial fat deposition or both so i would in, say in a, in a in a cow for instance we're talking about marble sure right sure is yeah. a is a guy losing from 45 percent body fat down toward a more normal body composition uh, are his muscles uh staying the same size or even reducing in size a little bit because he's losing interstitial fat yeah, so I think you know there's definitely that, that component to it, but then also you just got this. I mean, and I, and I know you would agree that a good proportion of not a good proportion, but some proportion of gain, getting stronger is uh, uh, neurologic. Is neurologic. Yeah, uh, but I think it's highly overrated in terms of uh, most novices because uh, of the fact that it is impossible to separate a stimulus that increases neurological efficiency from a stimulus that also increases uh, hypertrophy as sure. well. They're, but both processes respond to loading. And, and so right, both, and both processes therefore must occur at the same time unless there's something going on to prevent one of them from taking place. Right, so that my, which was leading me to this final. And, and that's your, of, that, this that, is kind of a query. Right. I think, and I don't have a lot of data to support this, but you know you can chime in and we can cut this. Somebody who's losing weight during their novice progression ends up on balance 
weaker than they otherwise would be yes. if they were gaining weight. Absolutely. And, and that so would probably you, certainly apply to a person who is gaining, uh, who is losing body fat at the same time. Could exactly. very well be. So the point is, you know, risk benefit situation, you got somebody at 45, 40, 30, even 30% body fat who's going into their novice progression, you know, and they're under the age of 65. Because again, as you get older, you're different under a different set of rules. But we're understanding that we're kind of tempering your novice progression. It doesn't mean you're not going to get stronger. You're just not going to get as strong as you would if you got to gain 50 pounds in the process, or 30 pounds, you know, it's just, and I think that's kind of a duh sort of statement. Mm -hmm. So I think you're limiting the ability for that hypertrophic response to occur right. if you're losing weight, which I'm not sure if that's a, if people really argue with that, but people did want to talk about this because they felt like special snowflakes on the, on the board. Well, sure. Uh, I just, uh, my primary concern is that uh, people are under the impression, because they'd like to be under this impression, that neurological efficient, neuro, neuromuscular efficiency improvements are, uh, have as much potential for depth as hypertrophy, and they don't. Oh, no, they you don't. just need to know you get they bigger. They occur faster, and they, they peter out quicker as well. Sure, you're yeah. gonna get better at that kind of thing. Sure. But it does not operate over a 15-year career. You can't stay the same size in terms of muscle belly and continue to gain strength for a long period of time because the potential to increase neuromuscular efficiency uh, is just not uh, that profound. But, well, why, so Rip, uh, you know, why does steroids work? Is it because they make your neuromuscular system work that much more efficiently? Is testosterone acting at the level of the neuromuscular junction in an acute fashion in order to make you more neuromuscularly efficient? At some level, but the, the, a the yeah, effects a little of bit. a little bit. But the profound effects of, test of testosterone occur on your muscle bellies, and that's right. why bodybuilders take them. <laughs> you gain weight. Gain muscular <laughs> body weight. And, and they skew the, the, the gain in the direction of muscular hypertrophy. Right. So a bigger muscle than is a stronger muscle, which is why you can't stay underweight if you want to be real, real strong. Right. I know, Rip, don't tell me. I understand. I, I know what I have to do now. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. I've been telling Jordan, the inside joke is Jordan needs to be at 275, and he just won't do it. You just told me people are paying me for my looks. What do you want? You want to be unemployed? Well, and, you know, so let me finish the sentence. That, believe it or not, was a comma. But Jordan has to stay in a situation where he looks like you want to hire him because what you want is abs. I know. I know. You want abs. <laughs> Okay. That's fair. What's your PR deadlift, Jordan? 725. Did you do that with your abs? I, well, yeah. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't hurt. I don't get it. They got the some sing, work during that 725. The singlet was uh, what were you weighing? Shows, one, I weighed in at 196 and a half. I squatted and, and six, seven, and, se seven. At, and did 725 at 196 and a half. Yeah, That's bench 430. Squatted 640. That's pretty good total for a 198er. I think it's, yeah, we're like, uh, I think it's 17th now on the all-time. Yeah, it's probably lower than that. It's probably lower. People keep getting better, and I'm not, because I won't gain weight, and I don't sleep enough. 
and any other excuse, I don't know. Well, I'm glad you know it's an excuse. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on the podcast, Jordan. Thank you for watching, and we'll see you next time.